Hey, everybody. Another episode of Stacking Pennies Breaking Down All Things Homestead Miami. Kyle Larson swept the day, winning stage one, two, and three. Ty Majeski punches his ticket to Phoenix, racing for a championship, and Noah Gragson, eighth win on the season. Smoke them boys on Saturday, also racing for a championship. In the Xfinity Series, Pit Road, Boats and Woes, Truex leading the race, gets spun out. We're going to break that down. And also, we are joined by WWE Superstar. And reason why I am hoarse today recording this podcast, because I had a ball at Raw last night. AJ Styles joining us right here in studio. And then we're going to break down a little bit of Martinsville. So stay tuned. We've got a phenomenal one on tap for you today. You do not want to miss it. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. And we're in it. Man, let's just get right to the good stuff, Chuck. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Monday night raw last night. <laughs> you know what else is raw? My vocal cords today. Because... Do a little bit of yelling? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was... Had a couple beers. I was enjoying myself. Saw Dale Earnhardt Jr. there. He did not seem to be enjoying himself as much as I was. That's fine. But they told me. 8.30, we're going to do your hit. So I said, oh, shoot, I got to go get another beer. Walked up there, got down there in time. Now, full transparency, Chuck, also joined by Ryan Flores, front tire changer of somebody who doesn't know how to shift, a sequential shearing box. Easy. No, we're going to break that. I, I still cannot fathom on a Tuesday afternoon how you downshift one of these cup cars when you're trying to get up speed. I got but, thoughts, but – I don't, I don't know how you could justify the thoughts besides just the, bra- the biggest brain fart of all time. That's what it was, yeah. So He said it, bonehead move. That's it's bizarre to me. I mean, there's plenty of other things. You can do bonehead moves, downshift in a sequential shearing box. Don't, don't understand. I'll ask that question later. I got a question for that. But back to Rob. Um Okay. So I had Kelly drink it down a little bit. So it's probably like five-eighths of a beer because I'm not man enough to chug a whole beer. I haven't done it probably in 10, 12 years. But I knew. You had your wife drink it? I had my wife had a couple of sips to no. Don't to, come on here and talk about Monday Night Raw and how you had to have your wife help you with a beer. That was my fourth one. I would have the been third and a half. Been, I'd have been banged up. Sounds like Fisher Price, my first Raw event. So, so when, <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you see like David Bactieri, the offensive lineman for the Packers, crushed a beer, I'm not that much of a man. I gotta I gotta get a bit of a head start. So I knew I had to crush it. I had a cup. It didn't go down as smooth as I'd hoped it would. I kind of missed the cup ch- smash on my head. It went, kind of went behind me, and I was wearing my AJ Styles gloves that he gave me last week and, you know, did my whole thing. Uh, AJ did not get in the ring. He got thrown over the announcer's table. It was pretty fun, though. It's fun to lean in that. I had probably eight to ten of my uh, Spire guys out there as well. They were having a good time. Anybody that's, ne- that's never been, ten out of ten recommend going. I don't it, know why you hit yourself fun. in the head with the cup. Imagine why not? Just hit yourself in the temple and knock yourself out. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and now, Corey like, knocked himself out. If it was like a, like a Sapporo can, like you get at a Hibachi restaurant, don't – yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I don't re- yeah. recommend that. But like – what do you mean? Like you crush the can. Like you crush a cup. That's what the intent was. I, I like the optics of it, but when I like broke it down, because I was just looking for Michael Folly, our good friend, yeah. had a – I was trying to look at his shirt. Because he had a blue, like, tie-dye looking shirt it with looked, it was otters. With Two like, otters hugging each other. Like, airbrushed on it. And I was just like, he is Why bringing not? the heat tonight. Did you let him borrow that shirt, Chuck? That looks like something you'd wear. It's, it was a nice Mar- it's more of a Merriman style. He likes animals airbrushed on his, his shirts. But his hype manness behind you, he looked like something out of the WWE video game. Like, yeah! yeah. Oh! <laughs> it was. Yeah. It looked like fun, man. It was it was a lot of fun. That was a pretty cool crossover we did with AJ, him riding along uh, with Jeff Burton at the Roval. About threw up, and then they uh, brought me up there to Brooklyn and showed me how to bang off the ropes a little bit and gave me a tour. So a lot more appreciation for those guys, though. Listening to him, you're gonna hear from him a little bit later in the show, just on how 
you know, the level of entertainers those guys are, how they continue to hone their craft. A lot of similarities, um, a lot of differences, obviously, but uh, a lot of things can be drawn similarly as well. AJ is a pretty cool, pretty cool dude, and he's going to be joining us here shortly. How many of those, how many, how many WWE events have you been to? That was my second one. Your second? I went to a Monday Night Raw here in Charlotte probably four or five years Wait, ago. Wait, we went to a SmackDown too. That was your third. We went to a SmackDown one. There was well, a next. We went here to in Charlotte? Yeah, you and I. We went in the back We've to been, Gorilla. Charlotte Flair was I there. I feel like that was that one. Uh, no, it was, it was a SmackDown thing. So it I, wasn't the, the first Raw you went to was with Kale and Folly. Yeah. And then me and you and Chris and Kelly went to oh, SmackDown. That is a third. Third. Okay. Dang. I know that like just goes to show how much fun I am. Forget all about it. <laughs> yeah, pretty forgettable. Actually, they didn't even introduce you at the top of the show. Like you know, no. That's right. The, they also ran. the good news yeah. is we dropped some dead. Weight. We did. We did. Yeah, we dropped some dead, dead weight. weight. Not joined by Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes. Um, so I guess we're gonna have to fill the air with some good stuff this week, guys. He's off taking care of his family. I'll cut him yeah. some slack. But I heard the bridge over his moat broke. Oh, and he, he couldn't, couldn't get out. Couldn't get out of the house. Yeah, that's what happened. The gators were swarming, so they just stayed in. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix the rope. I'm gonna fix the old chain here next week. <laughs> I'll see them boys down there. What are you gonna say? Something? Well, I was just gonna say that I've only been to one, and it was in like the '90s, so it's been a while. But I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, The Rock out in the ring. They didn't wrestle. Yeah, because they were prepping for a pay-per-view event. But at so, the old Hornets Stadium. Yeah, the old Hornets Coliseum back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So Vince McMahon personally gave you your he first. did he did that <laughs> exactly what happened. bro i grew yeah. up a wrestling kid i loved it yeah. madison square garden and seeing stone cold and you said Shawn michaels you got to meet yeah. the heartbreak kid up in brooklyn and he was a big race fan a big race fan he knew where i finished the roval and the whole deal um so that was pretty cool obviously is he's made a name for himself in the sport it's pretty cool and other guys are you know fan of uh fan of nascar know who you are um oh, i got a great penny sack of the week story don't yeah. let me forget it um to deal with re- the deals with wrestling? No. Oh. No. It's, from Homestead? It deal, no. Oh. From Homestead. Okay. We had a big to-go order debacle at the taco stand. Yes. Uh, did I tell you about it? No, but I can't oh, wait to hear about it later. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> we'll, oh. talk, we'll talk about it later because we're going to talk about Kyle Larson and just how unstoppable he is right now at, uh, at Homestead. Dude. Like, I mean, everybody's they- seen the video of him hitting the boards and three – not hitting – being within yes. a millimeter of the wall at 165, 170 miles an hour. Everybody thinks that he goes up there and like blasts the boards and you're you're not hanging it out. And I learned this about Kyle when I was watching that. I thought back even before his cup race when we were at Millbridge and they were racing those outlaw carts, him and Rico. And there was like a big curb and I said, man, is that just like you just go in there and throttle up? And he goes, no, it's really uh, technical. It's really hard because if you hit it wrong, you bounce off of it. And the way that the sprint car guys, it looks crazy when you're watching it. But when you run the cushion in a sprint car, if you hit the cushion too hard, you bounce off of it and flip over. If you are, you bounce off of it and it gets you messed up or you hop it. If you go into it too soft, you flip over. It just grabs the car so that when you watch that, it looks reckless, but it's super precise. Well, his thing is he's so good at entering on the fence. Like that takes such, yeah. oh yeah, so much confidence in your car, so much confidence in yourself of just carrying the right amount of entry speed. I can't even begin to tell you guys how hard that is. There's, you can talk about Tyler Reddick all you want to. He was back there. He hit the fence four or five times and eventually spun out by himself and stuff in the fence. Like there is nobody, I and there's nobody ever before. Kyle Larson. There might be guys that come along later that can do it as good, but you cannot run the top at Homestead in particular. And also Homestead, the top is so advantageous there compared to like Vegas, Kansas. There's some places where you can rip the fence and it might be like a touch better. Kyle Larson was a half a second faster than the field for 15 laps in a row. When the thing to me is like we've said for a while, oh, Kyle Larson, he's the guy to beat at Homestead. He's the guy to beat at Homestead. This is the first time he got the win there. Right. It was and a this, day race. Yes. Yes. Let's just, let's just yeah. elaborate on that Kyle touched on that in his post race. He said, I've been begging for a day race here. I've been wanting a yeah. day race here. When it's night race, track cools down, multiple grooves begin to add grip where the top isn't as advantageous. So you can run the middle. You can run a lane off the wall, and the track – temperatures down probably 25 30 degrees and a guy that has a decent driving car can keep up with somebody that's on the fence like Kyle but when it is direct something like like that it's a 125 degree track temperature 
you're like everybody thinks they're hitting the fence or running the fence and they're probably a tire length off. Kyle Larson is on the fence, like literally on it, dude. I'm telling you, like an inch off the wall. It's it's unbelievable. And he's also getting that clean racetrack because really nobody's up there. If you're up there, you're probably hitting it. But when you're running that, dude, it's just it. I can't even get, like I can't even tell you how how freaking hard that is. Well, I was gonna say in the in the nine races that he's he's run there, he's had 529 laps led, and 199 of those were on Sunday. So wow. that to your point, that day race, everything that he's learned over those previous eight starts there, and then all the practice time that he's had during the day when we go down there for championship weekend practices during the day he's learning all that stuff then he put all of that knowledge to use at a track that everyone has said it's larson's track it's larson's track but to your point about a reddick who looked like he was trying to wreck several times like is he he hasn't raced there as much he's seeing that style is he learning that stuff because kyle you know, had he had one DNF there, but he's had some not great finishes. Yeah. So I mean, is this something that Reddick is starting to put together that notebook that he could be someone that could challenge there in the future? Well, we've seen him win two Xfinity championships down there by running the fence. Yeah. You know, and I look at another guy like Noah Gregson. He smoked the field on Saturday night and finished behind me on Sunday. Like he got, I caught him the first run. And I'm like, all right. He obviously knows how to run the fence here. Let me just watch him a little bit. And I was like, okay, let me pass this guy because he's just holding me up. Like, there are some things that seem to carry over from Saturday. We see A. Jominninger run third, gave Ross Chastain all he wanted for second place. He didn't run. He ran better Sunday than he ran on Saturday. My, meanwhile, the guy that won the race on Saturday runs 25th on on Sunday. So I think a lot of it is your driving style suited to the car. Obviously Noah doesn't have as much experience as Kyle Larson does and also track position. Because track position's so important right now. We saw Chase Elliott kind of hang on to some track position, run fifth, sixth, seventh, had a bad pit stop or a bad sequence, and gets mired back in fourteenth and runs fourteenth. It's just wherever you blend right now, if you if you're unless you're Kyle Larson and banging the boards and that much faster than everybody, you're kind of stuck. I think that's what happened to the eight car too. I think he made some hay and got track position and then had a, you know, had a tough time on pit road and lost some, some track position. Same thing that happened with the 12, right? We were ninth, eighth, gained a couple spots, gained a couple spots. Now all of a sudden we're second, third, because Blaney had great restarts. Then you get trapped back in 17th and you can't go anywhere because your car is just driving so much different. So it I drive so much. I, you, you touched on something earlier. You said he's getting that clean racetrack when he's up higher. Do the marbles not come off the car and gather up next to the fence? They get blown off. They do? Yeah. Okay. Like, even if guys are three feet off the wall, they're getting blown off. They are. Yeah. Now, they don't hit the fence, and they don't hit, like, the wall and come back right there? Like, I I've, I mean... I wonder that. You feel it. Like, you guys feel like if you go run... If you go run a dirt car anywhere and someone drives through the... Or you go run somewhere with, like, a dirt infield at an asphalt track and someone drives through the like the dust or the dirt and they drag it onto the track and you're yeah. the first one to it it sucks so homestead is is a unique case to where if there is i don't know a small collection of marbles a small collection of marble grip is still better than what a rubbered up racetrack grip is i mean you are in a controlled four-wheel drift every corner like it is a funky racetrack and it's probably the most abrasive place we go to with a ton of fall off uh and you heard cliff daniels on that that video they posted on NASCAR social, just like pumping them up. When Kyle didn't have the track position, he says, these guys can't sustain the lap times. You can't like, just keep hammering his head, be responsible here. Don't hit the fence. And they came, they kept coming back to him, kept coming back to him. And next thing you know, once the five gets in control of the race, because if you're trying to air block somebody, if you see the five coming, you can move up to the fence or at least a half lane off the wall and slow him up a little bit. And he's got to run the bottom and his, his advantage is a little bit less. But once you get once the five gets in clean air and running the fence, you he's unstoppable. And when you talk about staying out of the rubber, the track is porous. It's like sandpaper. Yep. And the more rubber fills in those pores, the more it gets just like regular paper. So if you run your hand on sandpaper, it's got more grip. But when it gets 
filled up with rubber. It's more like rubbing it on this printer paper right here where it's slick, and that's why that, you try to stay out of the greasy. rubber. Yeah, the, the rubber that gets laid down is greasy, so the, the sun, as the direct sun hits it, it just literally gets slimy. And you can see, you know, when you see on the road, like the heat waves coming up, like it's literally just cooking that that rubber that's laid down. So it is, dude, it's so freaking slick, man. Like you are just elbows is that up all is that day. a fun race it it's uh, full transparency it's probably my least favorite racetrack just because i just i don't love that style of race i'm more of like a finesse discipline hit your marks guy and there's just no marks yeah. like you could you could run the bottom you can run lane two three four five and up on against the boards it's like where do you lift well, i don't know just kind of where it feels good i'm not like that's not my strength i'm more of like a marker martinsville short track guy you know, even like charlotte has some like a distinct lane that you can kind of like use some discipline and keep it on the right front and hit your marks. Homestead is like a, here it is, just go feel it out. And yeah. it's just, it's just its own, it's its own beast. I, it's fun when you have a good car. It's not fun. We don't have a good car. Calculated and kamikaze. He's more of a calculated <laughs> guy. Yeah. Well, cause like watching at the end of the race, when AJ and Ross were battling, you know, AJ gets out of the car and goes right up to Ross. It was like, hell yeah, man, that was a good run. Like, yeah. They looked like they were both, you know, happy with second and third. Obviously, you want to win, but it looked like they were kind of having fun out there. Well, I, hell, I even, you know, I've had run-ins with, with Ty Gibbs a couple of times this year just because we've been racing around each other a lot. Like, we raced each other around all day. He runs second on Saturday, and I was giving him all he wanted to for 23rd all day long, let me tell you. And it was fun. Like we, we race respectful. I I put myself in a couple of bad spots. He put himself in a bad spot and we cut each other breaks. And like after the race, I'm like, hey man, that was fun. I mean, we weren't slapping hands like, hey, we finished second and third. But obviously Ross and AJ have had a good relationship at Colleague. They had the run in at Coda and they had their thing. But you know, when you have a a really intense battle with somebody and you don't lay a bumper to them and you feel like, all right, like that was a good move. Oh yeah. You got me there. You slid me the right way. Like that's fun. Yeah. And you see Ross Chastain, man, a bad day for those guys is fifth right now. Oh, yeah. Series leading 13 top fives beating Chase Elliott. Like who had that on their bingo card? <laughs> you know, and Ross Justin Chastain, Marks, knock on Justin Marks, did. Mar well, Justin Marks believed it. I don't dude. I don't even know if Justin buying the team believed it would be this good. And they even have oh. – you know, their pit crew just jumped to the best average of the season. So that – I mean, the, the Mechanics Wear Award is uh, – Are we in pit road boats? No, here? but I'm just saying that's just – we're just talking about the strength of that team. Well, and and we can talk about that more. How much of that is now that it's just one car that's racing for the championship? That now that Suarez has been knocked out, they're taking a lot of that energy and focus, focusing it into it's that car year, man. So that's the thing. Like, I think that I don't think that you adjust what you've been doing. Like that's when you obviously I've never raced for a championship at this level, but like, that's the thing of what makes good teams. Like I, I rode mountain bikes with Alan Gustafson a couple weeks ago. And it's like, <laughs> when we, when you get to uh, the playoffs, what do you guys do different? And he's like, nothing. What's so funny. And the one, what are you laughing about? The way you said Guffson's last well, it, it, like, to Ooh, me, like, like the Gustafson. Uh, yeah, but the mental image I had was like actually a goose riding a mountain bike with you, which is just completely different. Man, and I, I, Gustafson? Yeah. Alan Gustafson. Yeah. Gustavo. Yeah, he, he's like, we don't, Allen we don't, a uh, mountain bike. he's like, we don't do anything different. They, and we don't ask the guy to stay at the shop any longer. Now, are those cars probably a week or two more prepared than the, the regular season cars? Well, the nine car might not do anything different, but I know the five does because you know how Cliff is. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and a, they're still in it, drill sergeant. But the one person that I that I really respect and I've won a championship with him, and I believe in, I believe in him wholeheartedly, is Darren Grubb. And he, yeah. you know, he's behind the scenes after there. the race. He's pushing the car through tech. He's he's coaching these crew chiefs. He's got you know he's he's got a ton of influence over there. And I he knows how to get the job done. And I, I believe in him one hundred percent. But man, I, I had a quick people, question. Man. I had a quick question. Not to get too people. far off topic. But before we move too far from running a wall, away from running the wall, we saw Joey run the top at Vegas last week, yeah. especially in three and four. Yeah. What makes it so much different to run the top at Homestead? Is the radius of the corner, the, the entrance? The because he was closely, he was above the top scene, but he wasn't on the fence. So Vegas, the the to finish the last little bit of the wall, it's a constant radius, and the wall kicks in pretty tight. Yeah. So you, you can't wrap the wall because it's not a consistent radius. You've got to pull it down. 
And then the sun seems to just bake that turn four, specifically Vegas. So you can carry some decent speed through center. And then if your stuff doesn't handle well, you'll struggle to finish. But the walls at Homestead are just a perfect radius. And they're like, they're smooth. They're consistent. Like you can enter the wall from the time you pass the start finish line and never leave it. And that's, and it's just merely the shape of the track. hundred percent. The shape wow. of the track. Yeah. So had the race, the entire 267 laps gone green at Homestead based on speed alone, where the cars would have finished. Larson would have been on the lead, on the lead lap. Truex would have been one lap down and the one car would have been two laps down. Running third. Running. That's how dominant. He would have finished 2.5 miles ahead of second place, which is like an old, like, 1960s stat. Well, thank God for stages, Chuck. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like, that is an amazing thing to see, but it might not be the greatest thing to see. You have to appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the greatness right. and the ability for somebody to focus for that long. And not make mistakes. It is like uh, yeah. the trap was there was a trap in the race, and the trap was when the twelve car spun out and yeah. brought out the caution in the middle of the green flag run. He lost track position. Yeah, and that, like I said, it is a trap, and that's where we have seen Kyle Larson in the past get in trouble. Yeah, being like, "Well, I'm way faster than all these guys. I got to get it back right now." And that's where Cliff Daniels goes, like you said, "Be patient here. We're going to get them back. If it's on pit road or wherever it is." Don't drive this thing in the fence and bend a toe link because of the circumstance. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, you are one mile an hour of center uh, entry rolling speed, a little bit less brake, and you slip a wheel and you're, if you bend a toe link, your day is over. Like, I just can't stress enough how, like, razor thin that margin for error is that that Kyle Larson was just standing on the entire day. It reminds me of the Ayrton Senna documentary. If anybody listened to this has never seen that, you go, go watch, watch it. it. But go dude, watch you'll it. have such an appreciation just for motorsports in general. But when he's talking about racing at Monaco and he's like talking about like bending the car around the Armco barriers. And like, I think about that because Larson was, he had such a lead and he was still up there. There's a little bit of focus, dude. It's just so mentally exhausting when you run the boards at night all day like Noah Gregson did. It's also a, a way different feel of, I was hearing something third hand from Latart. He talked to Noah about um, how it is Saturday versus Sunday. And he said that Noah told him with the Xfinity cars, the, the rear ends have skew, right? So both right, the both rear tires are turned to the wall to get the car to drive sideways to make more side force. So he says when he runs the top in the Xfinity car, the right front feels like it's a foot off the wall and it packs the air like a wedge and you can kind of touch the wall with the right rear quarter panel and you kind of can feel it. Like you get a little bit too hard and it straightens the car out, but you're never like sucked into the wall like we saw the 14. Chase Briscoe pretty much ended his playoff run uh, there with a mistake if he doesn't win Martinsville. But he said by, you know, it goes to Sunday and Sunday – the rear tires and the cup cars are dead straight. And those cars race, uh, you don't want to be sideways. You don't want to be bent a whole lot. So he feels like he's leading with the right front. And he feels like he's always driving into it. It's just a different feel to adjust from Saturday overnight to go plug into Sunday. And also while racing against guys who get paid a lot of money to, to do it. AJ Allmendinger, you know, I think with what him with him racing on Saturday right now, helps him tremendously on Sunday because there's such limited track time for the cup guys with practice and qualifying only being 20 minutes mm -hmm. that they get a full practice and, or, you know, whatever the practice is, but a full Xfinity race on the track. And I think that like when we've seen in years past before the race limits and all that, all the cup guys running Xfinity, I think for guys like Almendinger, they are right when they, you can see like, He's not running third in the cup race in years past. And I think that that's helping him. And I'll be interested to see if he takes a step back from full-time Xfinity next year, what cup days look like when he gets limited track time for that team and for him as well. People sitting there on Twitter, oh, well, Bubba Wallace spun somebody out on purpose and he was spinning. Why isn't Kyle Larson spinning? If you guys aren't smart enough to just understand what intent was, if it was malicious or on purpose or on accident, 
that was as much of Martin Truex's fault, if not more, than Kyle Larson's fault. Who he was? He was going to on pit road. No. He was going to miss it. He was going to miss his box. It wasn't. It wasn't equally. It was all Martin Truex's fault. Okay. It there wasn't any. He was going to miss his stall anyway. You shade to the left. Three or four stalls before you start shading the left. If not, everybody more than there what is not looking at set there. You don't set pit road speed and drive straight. He's yeah. looking at his lights. Right. Sun sets. Right Bro, at pit road exit. Great point. You could not see a damn thing on a straightaway. No. Like until this, until you got to where the the shade went behind that uh, suite, because your your windshield pitted up from rocks and rubber yes, and all stuff. You are blind for all intents and purposes. Which is what he I'm said. Glad you brought that. Up. Saying, he, said, he said his windshield, like with the Martin Trek said that. Yes, he did. Yeah. He he. Gave credit to the windshield. Now, Blame. have you ever had a dirty windshield yeah. and driven into the sun in the morning? Or, it's impossible. Or, and now, that you guys are going 200 miles an hour getting sandblasted that close to the beach. That track is dirty. It's yeah. going to be. Yeah. And then you get on pit road and it's already dirty again because you haven't been driving down there. So, it kicks up, you know, dust and debris. Yeah. You're pretty much blind. So, I don't fault Martin Truex for what happened. Like, that, like, I understand how I missed it, but he missed it. And... Kyle Larson, if you're at Texas or you're at Kansas, you're somewhere without a pit road wall on the right side of you, can try to go in the grass and go around them. But Homestead, you're, there's a wall right there. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. It's narrow. And he's committed to his lights, getting as good a rolling speed as he has. And if the best way to describe it is Martin Truex missed his exit on the highway and tried to stand on the brake and, and turn to make his exit. Perfect practice prevents Piss poor performance, Chuck. And we're going to talk about that in Pit Road Boats and Wheels right after this. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Pit Road Boats and Woes. Time. Mechanics were impact score. Only a couple weeks left to see who gets that hundred grand bonus. Who's looking pretty good? Dude, three teams within three one hundredths. So Whoa. the twenty-four car is leading with a nine point seven six. Eighteen is second with a nine point seven seven. And the one car is a third with a nine point seven nine. So pretty freaking impressive. Man. Ten car or the three car is still within striking distance, and the five cars too. We saw the the one car made a huge jump at Vegas, because um, it's weighted to where you're running. So like if you come in running third and you go out first, that's big points on your impact score. And they did that. Also had a P1 day in Vegas. Um, and man, the when you look at the lines, these guys are right on top of each other. So it's anybody's for the taking. Mm. Now, how much like is that mechanics where? bonus like talked about or is all focus put on just trying to execute the day i think different places talk about it differently there i, I remember like years ago in the 16 the pit bulls when they used to hand out like a they would hand out an award each race if they were ha- if like biffle was having a bad day Irwin would like pit one less time so he had less time on pit road so they'd win that for the guys or do two tires if you you know but uh but this one's pretty hard to fudge because of the metric of it being, you know, spots gained and lost and your average being lumped into that. Really, you just go try to have the best day you can. And I know the three car guys, since they're out of the playoffs, they're probably focusing on it more. Okay. But two of our three guys, two of our three teams in there in the the one and the 24 are racing for their lives every week. And then the 18 car, remember, they're, they got switched 
with the 11. So they're the 11 team for most of the year. And then they lost Michael Hicks and Darrell Edwards, their tire changer and jackman from Vegas. And they were able to hold serve this week because they gained, they didn't have the fastest average, but they gained spots on pit road at the right time. So yeah, they're, they're right in the thick of this. And if, if they, uh, if they can win it, that'll show the depth of the JGR pit department for sure. So we had one of the big debacles in a woe on pit road was the 11 and the 77 had a little bit of incident during that green flag sequence. Uh, we talked about a little bit during our competition meeting today um, of just that, that whole breakdown between communication between Kevin Bellacourt, Cruci from the 77, Chris Gabehart. He didn't quite know what lap they were coming down. I guess the 11 audible right at the last minute, the 77 was committed to coming down as a whole thing, but that's an instance where, and I don't know what the pit crew's point of view is. As a driver, you don't know where. You can kind of tell at what point of the pit stop that somebody is when you're pulling up to their box. You're really relying on the crew chief to tell you to bring it to them around them or behind them, right? And the instance we saw there, Landon was committed to come to his box, didn't know how fast the 11 was left side was going to be, and then 11 dropped the jack right at the same time where the 77 was kind of passing them. And it was just a bad – Bad ordeal, but it ultimately cost Denny a lot of spots and a lot of speed on pit road. Well, he he handled it like a boss, and it almost wrecked the five car and hit the five car guys. He just barely missed yeah. them. And, you know, this, I think some of the 77 guys had even already jumped, and he went in front of them, which if they jump with their hose, that can really get tangled up and be – I don't. I think that might even be a penalty for running over for the running over the hose. I don't know if it's a penalty if it's not your own hose, but um, but yeah, it was it was a tough situation. And I, what I'll say is like, when you're a lap car and the leaders come up, you're expected to lay over, especially if like your lap or two laps down. You're expected to lay over on the track like you're, that. You're expected to give more room than you generally would if you're a lap down on the racetrack. You're you're expected to give even more room and respect on pit road. So the etiquette, like I was going to say, on pit road is if you're if the 77 is a lap down and you're racing, especially for a championship, it's like, hey, man, we're going to, you know, don't pit the same lap we are. Right. If you see our pit sign out, let them run long. Right. Now, the 77 has their own race to run. I respect that. But there's times where, like, I've been next to – Cody Ware or somebody in the past, BJ McLeod, and it's the first stop of the day and they're still on the lead lap. And I'm like, you guys pitting first or second time by? Because there's times where they'll just stay and pit yeah. second time by to help you out just right. so they don't get in the scrum of stuff. And it's not fair to ask them to do that, but it's also frowned upon if you get up in the mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a tough spot and you're going to be selfish there. Like, now with a car in front of you, there's more risk with the way we roll the tires back to the wall. If it takes a bad turn and goes in your pit stall, impedes your pit stop, then we have to do a pass through and we're a lap down. So I would, if I'm the 11 car, I obviously don't know the full scope of what happened with the conversation between Bellacourt and Gabehart, but I would ask for a little bit more grace from the 77. And if I'm on the 11 team, I'm looking at the 77 going, what the hell, dude? Yeah. What are we doing? Right. Pit one more lap. Yeah, like 20, 23rd and 24th ain't going to hurt you. You ain't going to get that yeah. much. So that that's my my question there. Um, your guys had a great day. We were next to you. My, my boys were, were P7 on the day. I waved to you uh, at one point in time, and you did not wave back while you were you. stopping the pit stall. I'm and locked all in, my, bro. I ain't trying to wave at you. All my team was laughing. <laughs> that's my friend. Guys, right there. There's Corey, my friend. I ain't got nothing to say. And then I said, we're enemies. Some bitch didn't even wave back. No, we're enemies. I got, dude, race, I saw him. Did you see him, though? Did you see him wave? I saw his ass. Okay, good. Just making him. sure you he saw it. He saw, just didn't acknowledge it. I see him over there. I ain't trying to wave at him. He waved, I think, before friends. the race. <laughs> like, before the off. race, like, sometimes I'll stand out there and wave to him, too, and he just gives me one finger point. Like, I'm like, okay, cool guy. Nice <laughs> finger point. Yeah, yeah I just, now I'll just stand out there and, like, point at him. Like, Wait, one finger but if point. you give him the finger gun. No, like, I'll put my four fingers yeah, on the door top, say, and I'll do it this. finger gun. He just does a point. No, it's not It's not this. Okay. I say, don't do the finger gun. Yeah. That's it. Right we there. know what happens when the finger gun. Just an acknowledgement. Yeah. Like, we ain't buddies right now. Yeah. If, you, you later. if you give me one more finger point like that, I'm shooting my gun. Right <laughs> Death sentence. Well, I'm excited to go to Martinsville this weekend. Uh, we had a pretty good test there. And we're going to break that down in 
spare change here Sunday morning. And we're also going to get into some WWE stuff that we've been talking about. AJ Styles has been waiting in the whims forever at this point in time because he's been waiting for a day and a half because he reported this yesterday. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get him on the show right after this. AJ Styles right in the studio. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, very special guest joining us right here in studio. He's been ingrained in NASCAR over the last couple of weeks. WWE superstar AJ Styles joins us. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Man, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Man, lot, so much stuff to get into. But first off, uh, it's cool that you were just taking some interest in the sport. We're doing a NBC USA NASCAR WWE crossover where you got to ride along at the Roval. They flew me up to Brooklyn the next yep. day, got to see your world. They're a lot more similar, certainly different in a lot of ways, sure. but a lot but a lot of similarities there. What were some things when you got a ride along with Jeff Burton in that in that car, uh, just seeing the 1948 club and all the pre-race festivities and then getting in the car, you were hanging out with me right before we jumped in. What were some things that stood out to you from your first NASCAR? Well, event? I think the, the one thing that stood out to me, like I don't know if I was going – super fast but i felt like i was and the fact that i couldn't check and see how fast i was going because there's no speedometer in the car right. kind of freaked me out a little bit and then you know so you're going on sound and i was like wow that's interesting and then i find out about recruiting guys from uh you know colleges to play you know that played football and whatnot to be on your pit crew because you have to be athletic to do what they do like that was so interesting to me and it's it's not like just driving around in an oval. You're not just turning left the whole time. There's just so much more than that. And I was like, wow, uh, you know, there, there's never an easy way to be a professional. You have to know a lot of uh, everything to mm -hmm. be where you're at. And I, I guess that kind of fall, you know, it's very similar to, you know, wrestling is there's more than you think that you have to know to be able to do what we do. Absolutely. And, and, and you don't know until you know, um, well, until you got a peek behind the curtain, like before we before we shift gears going to to Brooklyn and get my first kind of behind the scenes uh, of of what you guys do, rumor had it that you about lost your lunch. So listen, I, I think I would have handled an oval track much better, but yeah. when we got into those turns, yeah. So you did the roval for, for the roval. Uh, it uh, it started getting to me. Now I'm not. I used to enjoy roller coasters when I was younger. I, I don't now. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And uh, I was I was happy that uh, we got out when we did because I was starting to sweat yeah. in the suit that I had on. Uh, and I was like, uh-oh, this is going to get bad quick. Man. Well, the the elevation changes, the braking and the acceleration there, it's a little bit different than than certainly an over, oval track. When you left there, did you have any like, ooh, I'd love to get a ride at X track? Oh, Daytona, right? That's yeah. the track. And uh, I want to be able to say that I went faster than anybody in the car. So hopefully I'll get that to happen sooner. Right now, there's a little bit of like ego with somebody who says that they've been the fastest in a NASCAR within your 
within the WWE. Is that correct? I, I do believe. I mean, there's been a couple guys uh, and girls who uh, who've been there. So I, I think um, Tez Montez Ford. Uh, I think he went pretty fast in an NASCAR, and I think he's he's up there pretty. I think it was like 160 something. Oh, uh, I think we can we can dial that up for the for yeah the Daytona 500. I, I, if if I thought we could have done it. Uh, you know, in Charlotte, when I was there, we we would have. I would have asked for it. Anyway. Top speed there. I don't think you can quite get that, but you go to Daytona, and Done. I'll get I'll get you over there. It's no that much bigger of a track. Is that what it is, or just way different? Two and a half miles, essentially wide open the whole the whole day. But it's just a distant, like a different discipline where road courses. You're trying to maximize your braking zones. You're trying to hit your marks and apexes. Where Daytona, on the other hand. It's kind of like a chess match of where you want to position your car at that that point of the race. Uh, a lot and, more. And speaking of that, I, I was I was a little surprised too to see when we did you know you you pit and, and then they took your tires and they were basically shaving them to see how much you were using the tires and where they were wearing yeah. so they could better mm-hmm. adjust the car so that you can get more speed. And yeah. I thought I just it's just the little things like that to get uh, you know. Not even a second faster, milliseconds faster. That's, You're looking for tenths of a second, yeah, man, for sure. And and when we went to to Brooklyn, right, I didn't know what to expect, right. But you look at you you guys, the entertainer aspect of it. Now there's as much professionalism that goes into preparing that side as much as your body control within the ring. You tried to give me a, a how to clinic on bouncing off the ropes, which caveat, guys, those ropes are freaking stiff. Yeah, and you guys bounce off of them like they're damn bungee cords. How long does it take you to learn how to get that good at doing that? So you know the challenge is when when most of us first start, we're not really starting in like WWE. At least I didn't. Right. WWE. Uh, I started on independent shows or outlaw shows, what they may call them, and the rings are different sizes. You know, they may be a sixteen footer or an eighteen footer, um, and so WWE is is about the biggest you'll get in, in, in wrestling. And so you, your footsteps will change and hmm. how you hit the rope. So the more you do it, the better you get at it anyway. And I think that, you know, when we hit those ropes and, and or elevator cables, as we, they use in different parts, it's you get your body gets used to it. That's the only way to do it. I about broke my back. <clears throat> I know. I know. It's tough. <laughs> I hit it kind of sideways and a little bit high. And about my uh, L3, 4, 5 went. <laughs> well, I, I remember you going, well, let me let me hit it a couple times and. Uh, you know, you felt good about it, and then there's a point where you hit him like, ah, you know what, I'm I'm good. I don't need to. Well, my the my microphone pack fell out of my pocket at the same time, so I'm like, this is a good, this is a perfect opportunity to say, no, I'm good, thanks, guys. Uh, those things are freaking freaking stout. But you mentioned you said a lot of guys don't just get their start wrestling the WWE. You started yours in Tokyo. You well, st- you started it here. Well, yeah, went I, to Tokyo. Yep. How was that experience? Loved it. I mean, it's a different world, man. Well, I mean. They, they always, uh, a lot of times, you know, what we do is entertainment. So they ask, well, how do you talk to each other? How do you, well, wrestling is its own language. A body slam is a body slam. Yes. You know, so it's it's all the same and you make it work. And uh, I, I had so much fun over there. Uh, by far, uh, Japan is my favorite country. Yeah. 100%. I love it. The what fans are it? amazing. Well, I mean, the respect that they give the, you know, the wrestlers over there is unreal. Uh, they're very quiet, and then sometimes they're very loud. They're stomping their feet. They're clapping their hands. It's just a different vibe, and I really don't know how to explain it, but it's just different, but it's a good different. Now, the means of which you prepare, whether I'm a race car driver, if I'm when I'm preparing for the Roval, I prepare different, right? I'm doing some different things on the simulator. I'm doing some different things with watching film and looking at SMT because the, the – the manner in which you drive a road course is different than a Daytona, right? Mm-hmm. When you are fighting a Rey Mysterio or you are fighting a big show type or a Omas, uh, how do you prepare different for just different guys? Cause it's gotta be way. Well, I, I would think that I'm a, you know, a Jack of all trades when it comes to, you know, from big guy to small guy and how to uh, wrestle those guys. Cause I've been everywhere. And so I've able to experience different styles of pro wrestling. And so, I'm able to adapt to anything, which sometimes I may be uh, catching somebody and they'll be doing something crazy or they'll be doing the catching and it's me doing the diving. Uh, so I like to be able to think that I can do a little bit of everything, which is easy, easy to prepare for guys who are much different. Like everybody's, you know, not the same, obviously. And even crowds are different. Yeah. They're, they're going to react different to, 
you know, different things. So if you, maybe you're more entertaining here and then uh, more serious in this part of the, the region or whatnot. So it changes. Do you still have like a, an emotional tie to like when you go wrestle Atlanta? Like do do people embrace you a little more so there than they come in Charlotte or not? Sure. Really? I, I think so. I think, you know, being a Georgia guy and when I'm in Atlanta, people, you know, like seeing them when they're hometown guys there. So, yeah. Um, but England, you know, I, I, I was able to go there a lot. So always great fans. And Japan, of course, is always great to me. So there's definitely a couple of places that I enjoy performing at. I mean, it's it's all different, but it's all good. Now, something that's very similar that I notice instantly is – the competitive camaraderie, right? Because you guys have kind of a mess hall of sorts. You've got the spot where everybody kind of congregates to eat. It's similar to a NASCAR driver owner lot, right? You are competitive, but you're next door neighbors with the guy that you're about to go in the ring with or on the racetrack with. Your wives are playing together. Your kids are off kicking a soccer ball. It's, it's interesting that you guys do, that you guys are a traveling family, similar to how NASCAR guys are. Very now, much, yeah. The competitive wick for what we do, I believe, might be turned up a bit because it's not so much you versus everybody else as it is on the racetrack necessarily. But right. how do you guys continue to form relationships, keep guys on the perimeter, uh, let some guys into your circle? How do you kind of to I mean, balance that? Of course, you're going to be uh, around people that you think similar to. Right. right? You're going to you draw near to those guys and then you're going to have your close friends that you know you can trust. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest difference in NASCAR, you guys are competing against each other, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for championships. And we are competing uh, to have the, the best match, not yeah. necessarily against each other, but we want to have the best match right. no matter what. Um, so that I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and, and again, I mean, you're closer to some than you are to others based on uh, the way you think. What do you think about Ric Flair? I love it. He's a legend, legend right? Bro. And I worked with him for a little while. Uh, and so I've wrestled him before. I've tore his pants off where he's running around in his underwear. Did you know if he you had about if you, 4,000 women could probably say the same <laughs> thing? Probably. But if you grab the, the back of uh, dress pants pockets, you can rip them right off. I didn't know that. He told me that. And I said, there's no way. That's not going to rip right off of you. That's a pro tip, too. And sure enough. I grabbed that back pocket and I ripped it, and his pants came right off. Love that. Uh, how many women do you think that he told? If you grab my pants, <laughs> all of them come right off. All of them. <laughs> now that kind of gets me to my next point of like when I was growing up, right? You got your heroes. You know what you want to do when you grow up. My dad was a race car driver. My grandfather was a race car driver. Naturally, that's what I wanted to do. But as much as I looked up to my dad and wanted to emulate his success, I was looking at guys like Jimmy Johnson, who is somebody I come back to look looking for dale earnhardt certainly sure. another one that i tried to emulate and then you kind of like hone in on what your particular strengths are in your styles so, pun intended what did you try to emulate your style after when you were growing up well um i, I was a, a fan of a, a lot of different wrestlers for different reasons you know if, if they were athletic i was drawn to them mm. uh, some had a, a certain look or uh, did a certain flip that i was drawn to them so by the, by the time I figured out who I wanted to be, I, I realized I wanted to be AJ Styles. You know, different than everybody else, but I, I got little things from here and there, from yeah. all over the world. I was telling someone today that uh, a lot of times I would list, watch Japanese wrestling and listen to it with the commentary on. I don't know what they're saying, but oh, they, they'd scream and stuff like that, and I loved it. My wife is like, could you please <laughs> turn that down? So I, I got a lot of different styles from a lot of different, uh, you know, wrestling companies that I watched. And, you know, I didn't want to be like anybody else. I didn't want to do a move and you think of mm -hmm. whoever, yeah. Ric Flair or whoever. I wanted me to do my move that I came up with. And if someone else did it, you thought of AJ Styles. How does it feel when you see kids, like, wearing, the, wearing your gloves and doing your moves, right? Because like when I first met you, you're like, man, who, like who do you like? And I'm like, dude, if my brother and I didn't do a thousand five star frog splashes from our beds on top of each other when we were growing up, now Matt Hardy, that's Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam, sorry, that was our move. That's just what we did. We'd scream it and jump off the ra the rafters onto each other. So, is it like when you see kids when you take that second because you're a family man yourself, Christian guy, two two boys, correct? Three boys and one little girl. Three boys and one little girl, family man. How does it make you feel? Uh, I can tell for 
from my point of view, when I see a kid wearing a Court of Joy merch and just super enamored to see and you spend two minutes with them, like that's the reason why I keep doing Absolutely. it. 100%. That is the reason why. You hope one day that you're able to see a smile on a kid's face because they look up to you and and uh, you know, enjoy watching you do your thing, right? Like that is the absolute best. I remember there was one time I was in a Target with my boys and they were looking for toys and there was a kid who had a shirt on that with a company I used to work for. And I was like, Oh, you like them? He goes, yeah. He goes, I said, who's your favorite wrestler? And I have my hat on my jacket. And, uh, he said, AJ Styles. I said, really? And I took my hat off and he goes, Oh, like it was this little thing. And it was, Dude, that was a really, that. really cool moment, you know, that I'll love, never forget. I love that. And, and another thing with two week, we kind of bonded over there and, and sitting there in Brooklyn talking of like, when you have, when you make a living as a professional athlete, off air, you just said, like, if you make it to the level of being a professional, getting paid for it, you have to be pretty good at it. But there's one thing getting there, and there's another thing staying there. Right. When you came in, or even when you were in Tokyo, how have you evolved as a person, as a wrestler, as a professional to where you are currently? I think is not being able, you know, not having someone to have to tell you twice. You know, when someone gives you information and it's good information, you absorb it. And I think that's the thing with me is like, I'm able to absorb, you know, everything that's made me who I am today, you know, even the little things. And, and sometimes it's hard because of your ego to take that advice, especially when someone's younger than you, Yeah, you know, and that's happened once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, constructive criticism. It is what it is. But if you want to be under, be better than you, you take it, you use it and you make it work for you. Um, is there something that stands out from somebody in particular? And what they said. Oh man, I've had so. so I, I had uh, Terry Taylor uh, way back when tell me that you know I was upset about a story that was going on, and he, when he explained it to me that it's really not about you, you're just kind of in the story with them, but it's really about someone else. So why are you worried about it so much? And I was like, oh man, I didn't think about that. But they're not wrong. But they're not wrong. And it, and it set my mind at ease, and I was able to mature because of it. That Once I realized that it wasn't about me, I don't have to worry about it. I just need to do my job, you know, that, do what's asked of me, and hopefully be ready for the next one that where it is about me and be ready for that job. That's right. That's right. Now, traveling on the road, that's another thing that's similar, right? Gone three, four days a week <clears throat> from the family. It is people think that it's red carpets and rock star life and they are probably far from it. Now that's not to say that we have the, probably the two coolest jobs. If there's a list of 10 jobs, our two jobs are on, on that list of no cool jobs. So how do you, how do you balance attacking your career, being the best you could possibly be and, and learning while also giving the wife and the kids the time that they need, to see dad at the house you know you just talking about that i'm thinking in my head going oh man i really need to spend more time doing this and helping the wife out with that you know mm-hmm. uh because you you just kind of take it for granted when she's doing Always everything yeah. you know because uh, you know like you got two kids right so you, the wife's doing everything because you can't be there and you're like i gotta do more but you, sometimes it, i don't know it's a, it may be the the mind of a man where he's just like, Oh, I'm just going to do this. And, but well, you can uh, justify it, right. Cause you're off making money. Yeah. Doing what you love. Meanwhile, but what, you know, would you want her job? Absolutely. I wouldn't No, I don't want my wife's job. Bro, it sounds terrible. I would just figure out how to get another job and hire a babysitter <laughs> yeah. and do that job. Yes. Yes. It's a terrible job. Washing the clothes, taking the kids. Like it's always something. And I feel like she's always running, uh, you know, around doing something. Um, but I feel like I do some more. It's, it's, it's hard to balance that because it's just like you said, well, I'm making the money, but it, that's not good enough because your, your boys, you know, in our case, will grow up to be like you in some way. And your daughter, if you ever decide to have one of those, will look for somebody like you. Exactly. And it, I know I will never be good enough to be good for my daughter. Like it's, it'll never happen. So it's very hard to balance that. And I don't know, it, it, it worries me that I'm not, maybe, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'm not, maybe I'm not raising my kids, right? Like, what could I do? So that, that always goes through your head, no matter what you do. If you're spending time away from home, chasing your dream, uh, and you know, hopefully be a professional, whatever it is you do, man, it's, it's tough. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
WWE superstar AJ Styles. He got a peek into NASCAR a couple weeks ago at the Roval. I got a peek into his life uh, on the road as WWE superstar, and I will be there tonight in Charlotte watching my man do some work. So I'm excited about that. Everybody keep up with his career, man. He's a, a true professional in every aspect of the in every aspect of the game. And I appreciate y'all for tuning in right here to Stacking Pennies. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that with AJ Styles. Uh, make sure you check him out every Monday night on USA WWE Raw. You guys talk? Like, do you guys text and stuff text and each other. share hair care tips? If you well, use different conditioner because your hair's curly and his I've tried to tell him he's got some beautiful hair. <laughs> like it reminds me of Kid Rock almost, just pinned straight. Now my hair would not lay that straight, but I can tell you what does lay straight, Chuck, is my beard. Honest Amish. They have all your beard and body care needs. They've given me all sorts of stuff. Soaps and bombs and oils and I mean, everything you need for your beard. I got to get you some stuff, Chuck, because your beard's looking it's a little straggly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's coming. It's looking a little straggly. Honest, Amish will get you dialed in because they're made 100% uh, with organic and natural ingredients. Did you know that? I did not know that. Because, it went, you know, when you put some beard oil in, like, yeah. it's got some junk in it and it makes your skin irritated. Well, this doesn't do that. I like it when it makes my beard not itch and makes it feel good. Yeah. 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 I've been looking for that because my beard's been itchy. Mm-hmm. It's not itchy anymore because I got Amish Amish. And they're made in West, Western Pennsylvania, hence the Amish name, duh. And it's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. What more can I ask for, Chuck? Yeah, it sounds like they got premium ingredients, highest quality products, handmade in the United States, and they're 100% satisfaction guaranteed. You know, we could talk about the beards, but I'm a big soap guy. Yeah. You wouldn't know it, but some nice charcoal soap. Oh, yeah. Well, they got good some soap. nice manly soap bars. Good good smells. Never did I expect to be talking about soap on Stacking Pennies, but here we are. And you guys could use the promo code Stacking Pennies for 20% off on HonestAmish.com. So go check them out if you have a beard or if you have hair or if you're just, you know, liking some soaps. Doesn't matter how much hair you have on your body or your face. Honest Amish has something for you. So go check them out. And they got free shipping for uh, orders over $35. Just made me sad. You wanted free shipping? Because he, he, chop, he chopped uh, off his mustache. I know. I went. I had a sweet beard. Playoff beard. This might be. I don't, this about, sw- I don't, know. About, I don't know about sweet. Just, yeah. Don't beard shame me. Bro, you had a scraggly don't white beard trash shame beard. Me. <laughs> Listen, I had a decent beard going for me, and I went to a barber at the South Point before the race in Vegas because it was getting. My, my beard's not great, but it's there. And it was for the playoffs. And he got lined up. He looked this like guy Vanilla cut ice. me up like a like a jack o' lantern. He had this thing. He and went, I in, get he done. went in here. Yeah, like, like a V, like... and it wasn't crooked. And I wore it for the race. <laughs> My wife saw it. She said, "Shave your face right now." <laughs> so I had fun with it. Went mustache and did all that. But maybe that's why Blaney spun out because my playoff beard got cut off. You did this, but the good news is beards grow back. So you can get a new one, and you can get you some uh, beard bombs and oils and from and stuff. HonestAmish.com. Exactly. They got you dialed in. You guys got us dialed in, too, for hashtag Penny for your thoughts this week. So, Janie, what do we got? Brennan McCall asks, both 23XI racing cars were piloted by replacement drivers this past weekend. When was the last time an entire team had to deal with such a rare circumstance? I can't recall. There was a lot of, uh, you know, rare circumstances with Dale Jr. towards the end of his career with different guys filling in that thing, coming back, not coming back. But where Stewart was out a couple of times. That was hard to navigate. Yeah, with Mark Martin. Mark Martin and Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon drove it a couple of times. Now, where both of your drivers, it's not like like Stuart Haas still had Ryan Newman, right, it, in the 39. Yeah. Where Hendrick still had all three of their other drivers yeah. in those cars to where your feedback stays consistent. Where both of your guys are fill-in guys, being Ty Gibbs and John, John Hunter Nemechek, um, definitely unique circumstances. And John Hunter started off the weekend pretty good and got – Mired back in traffic there, and uh, I think he got spun out or he spun himself out running fifth. Um, 
and it's just hard to work your way back to the front, even if you have a car that fast like John Hunter did this weekend. Cody Brown says, if you had to remake the Days of Thunder car rental scene with Earnhardt and Bodine feud with a past or present driver, who would it be and why? I love this question. Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to include myself in this movie scene because I want to be part of it. Um, I would love, every time I bring up a past guy, David Pearson's my guy. So I'd love to slam a rental car into the side of David Pearson. That would be my all-time dream. Um, now, if we wanted to go another guy, I mean, Big E would be certainly cool to uh, bang doors with. So selfishly, I would include myself. It's 50% of that scene, and then you could fill in any other anybody else if you wanted to. You, you didn't remind me, Chuck, but I'm glad I remembered it. Penny Stacker of the Week. This is kind of a long-winded story, so I'll tighten it up for the, for the sake of the listeners. Uh, went, landed, had all day Friday to kill. Went to downtown, went to the Noble store, bought these new pair of kicks, love these. Asked the guy, where's the best taco spot in town? Two blocks down to the taco stand. Go check it out. Sweet. Walk down. There's about a 15-person line out the out the door. I'm like, oh, where else I got to go? I'm going to stand in line. Get down. <laughs> Wait in line, get there. They got a list of stuff. Everything looks good. Burritos, tacos, the works. So I get there. I want two carne asada tacos, a al pastor taco, and a, like a spicy shrimp taco or something, and a and a, a Mexican street corn, like on the cob. Mm. What's your name? Corey. Take it to go. I went to go see a buddy at the Hard Rock Stadium. Got to tour of that facility. So I was going to get to go eat tacos on the ride. So I'm sitting there at the bar watching the everybody make the tacos. And um, five, ten minutes go by. Corey, Corey, your to-go order is ready. Walk up. There's a plastic bag. And there's like three brown paper bags in this plastic bag. And you could also see the corn cob like post stick like the like the damn wood thing that holds the corn cob like sticking out of the bag and i'm like all right like that's what i order but i look in the bag and there's like six tacos in each bag i only order four and six tacos per brown bag i'm looking at the guy like are all these my tacos like was it three tacos per order or something i ordered 12 like i was so confused like why i got so many tacos he's like did you get carne asada tacos and El Paso tacos. I'm like, yeah. Well, those are yours, man. Okay. So I take them and I start, I was like, you know, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to eat here. So I start tearing, like, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, look at all these tacos in this bag. I'm going to eat all these. So I eat one, two, three, start opening them up, eat the shrimp tacos. I probably had like seven and I only ordered four. And I'm like, yes, loving this. Got the corn. I'm munching on that. Meanwhile, the guy at the desk is, you know, Freddie. Freddie, last call. He probably called this guy's name like ten times. I'm like, like, what, what the hell's Freddie doing? Like, is it Freddie Kraft? What, like, what's he doing? And there's two carne asada tacos, an El Pastor taco, and a shrimp taco, and a corn cob in Freddie's order. And I'm like, huh, Freddie got the same order I did. And I'm like, looking, and on the to-go order, it's Corey. Some guy comes walking up. He's got a he's got a receipt, CVS length receipt. Oh boy! Hey man, have have you seen this to go order? What's your name? And I'm like here, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so <Just> walk away. <laughs> well, no, I'm like, all right, I'm I am an asshole. <laughs> so I got up. Uh, There's like two people in between myself and like the the damn spot where this interaction's going on and i'm like hey just want you to know apparently there's two quarries i have this quarry's order where i've eaten three quarters of it this freddy order that you're talking about is my order so both of these quarry orders are jacked up you need to remake my man's order because i've eaten all of it and he's like man you must have did you feel like you hit the taco lottery i'm like you're damn right i feel like i hit the taco lottery i thought it was my lucky day sure enough i ripped that guy's to go order so, Corey, from the taco stand, you, sir, are the penny sack of the week because I ate all of your he's uh, tacos. He's not going to know, though. No, he's like he's not listening to the podcast. He's say, like, hey, I listen to that guy. I have a podcast. You should listen. No, no. You should but go on it's iTunes. Out. If, somebody else, if somebody else knows the other Corey, then go tell him. But that's what I feel bad about. Also, uh, make sure you guys listen to Spare Change. 
this Sunday, breaking down the paperclip, the last opportunity for one of those six guys to punch their ticket into the final four. Who's it going to be? We're going to have our opinions on that and a lot of other opinions as well. And also, guys, make sure you tune in Thursday nights, 10 p.m., or set your DVRs to race for the championship. We're going to look into Flores' boy, Ryan Blaney, is the second going to the second round of the playoffs, going to Talladega and the Roval with a little bit of Texas. Also, Friday mornings, you can check it out on the Peacock app, but it airs live Thursdays, 10 p.m. on USA. So watch it there first. So make sure you guys continue to tweet us, hashtag Penny for your thoughts, like, download, share, rate, review, all the good things, comment, so we keep this thing moving. A lot of great comments. Love it when you guys come up to us, say you're listening to the show. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy. And until then, hey, tune in tomorrow. I'm going to be running that modified race in Martinsville. See if I can't win it in the old Bono Mania number 53. So have some fun. Tune into that. And we appreciate you for tuning in each and every week, Stacking Pennies. See you all next week.